the Romanovs. The old Romanovs. They ruled in, in Russia from 1613 up until the, the February Revolution in Russia that swept over the nation in 1917. Nearly 300 years they ruled over their people. Maybe not so well, maybe sometimes well, depends of your, your political view. But in July of the following year, July 1918, the Romanov family was dragged down into their cellar and one by one they were slaughtered. Here you have these, these people, nearly from time past, they ruled over, these, over this empire for 300 years. They were from the people and they were in the people and what did the people do? They rejected it. Same thing we see in our text. Here is this loving God. He's, he comes in the flesh and He's among the people and He's from God and He's from eternity past and what do we do? We rejected Him. We crucified Him. So we have our main point that we're going to be driving home is let us not be like them, but let us receive the eternal Son. Let us receive the eternal Son who came in the flesh. And as we, as we look at our text here, we, you see in verses 1 through 8, we're going to be seeing who is this Son? Well, He's the eternal Creator. He was with God in the beginning. And through Him all things were made. Verses 1 through 8, we're going to be seeing Him as the eternal Creator. And then verses 9 through 13, what are we to do with this Son? Well, we are to receive Him. Receive the Son. And then finally, we'll be wrapping it up in verses 14 through 18, when we see that the Son, the very Son of God, became flesh. We're going to meditate on that as, as we go through our Advent here. Let us pray before we go any further as we approach this text. Dear God, we, we ask for your favor to be upon us during this time. We, we can have so many things, but we have so many things that are worth nothing if we do not have you, God. So as we cast our gaze upon your Son coming in the flesh during this season, I pray that you would be with us and that you would soften our minds and sharpen or soften our hearts and sharpen our minds, God, that we could absorb Your truth, that we'd be convicted of our sin, and that we would turn to Your Son and Your Son alone to be forgiven. God, we, we desperately, desperately need You. Could You make Yourself known in this time? Amen. So let's go back to the text. Uh, we'll read verses 1 through 5 here. Looking at the eternal creator, Christ has come. Verse 1, John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Here in these opening movements, even the opening words of the Gospel of John here are, 
our hearts and our minds are swept away to another place and to another beginning, are they not? John writes down, in the beginning was the Word, and then Moses has written down, in the beginning, in the beginning, God created. And Moses, throughout Genesis 1 and 2, he tells us who made everything. And then John here in these verses tells us through whom it was made. It was made through what? Through the Word. Through the Word it was all made. But why? Why use... Why describe Christ as the Word? Of all the things that you could have said, why not say, in the beginning was the substance, or in the beginning was the Spirit? Why not leave it at that? But why, why Word when you're using that to describe Christ? And as we do this, as we want to be good students of the text, the only way to, to do this is to turn to Scripture, allow Scripture to interpret Scripture. So what do we do? We, we, we buy local, we look within John, and then we go to the big box store, and then we'll look throughout the rest of Scripture. So in John, in John we see that, what does the Word do? When Christ is with the Samaritan woman in John 4, and He tells her all that she's ever done, and she actually does what the disciples didn't do. Do you notice that? She goes and tells the whole town what, who that this Christ, this Messiah is here. The disciples go. They get some, some food and water. They don't tell anybody. Then the whole town comes back and there's, when they hear this preaching of Christ, and what does it say in John 4, 41? It says, and many more believed. And why did they believe? Because of His great works? No. Why? Because of His word. They believed because of his word. Then in the next chapter of, of John, as he's talking about his relationship with God the Father, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word, whoever hears my word, and what? And believes him who sent me has eternal life. So you see within the Gospel of John that this, the Word, the Word is coming forth and it is revealing God through Christ. It is bringing life through the Word. And that's entirely in line with what you see throughout all of Scripture, is it not? Look in the Old Testament. You see the Word coming forth and it's bringing creation, it's bringing judgment, it's bringing redemption and renewal, is it not? Psalm 33.6, it says... By the word of the Lord, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. So you have creation through the word. And you also have this the judgments and the commandments being revealed. Look in Deuteronomy 4 and 10. It says that you have the, the Ten Commandments. They're actually given forth in Deuteronomy 5, but it referred to as the Ten Commandments in 4 and 10. And in the text, they're not called commandments. What are they called, do you think? The Ten Words bringing forth the revelation of God, who He is, His holiness and His standard. The, the Word is bringing forth this revelation of God. And you also have redemption through what? Through the Word. Psalm 107. And they cried to the Lord in their distress, and He delivered them from their distress. Now how do you think He did it? Verse 20. He sent out His Word. He sent out His Word and He healed them and He delivered them from their destruction. And all of this is on top of the prophet after prophet after prophet revealing the God, revealing the Father through the Word. The Word of the Lord came to Isaiah. The Word of the Lord 
came to Ezekiel in chapter 2, it says, The Lord said to me, and he brings forth this word. Hosea, chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Hosea. Joel, chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Joel. These prophets, these men, are bringing forth and revealing who God is. What? Through the word. Bringing forth this revelation of God. And all of this culminates in whom? In Christ. This fullness of the revelation of God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago, many... Many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. This very Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. You see, throughout all of Scripture, this Word is coming forth and revealing who God is, and it's fully, it's come to its true fruition in Christ, as it comes and reveals who God is. And all of this, as John, who's a Jew, is writing this, and you have Targums, they say, there's Aramaic translation, interpretation of the Old Testament. He said, the word of the Lord. This is what John would have been hearing. It's not scripture, it's what he would have been hearing in the synagogue growing up. The word of the Lord said, let there be light. And it wasn't the hand of God, it was the word of God that that sheltered Moses as he hid from the glory of God when he was up on the mountain. So why why does John use the word logos here, a word? Why is he using this? Well, he, he didn't grow up reading Plato. Socrates, Aristotle. No, 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 no. He grew up in the synagogue reading the Word of God, seeing how the Word brings forth this revelation of who that is, and they're longing for it. And then he sees this Messiah, this one who fully reveals and brings a full revelation of God and God alone. But notice also what it doesn't say in the text. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But notice what it It doesn't say. It doesn't say that the Word is God, and that God is the Word. Remember, John's a Trinitarian, so he can say, and the the grammatical structure is is perfect. It's written exactly the way it should be. Not surprising. That the, the Word is God, but he can say that the God is Word because, well, the Father isn't the Word, and the Holy Spirit isn't the Word. So it has to say the Word is God, and, and just leave it at that. But you can't say that the God is Word. Notice also what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that the Word was some some deity. It, it didn't have the shavings of, of this deity or of God. But there, no, it says the Word was God. And not just a God. It doesn't say the word was a God, but the word is God, the God, the one and only God. Ah, this word has come forth, bringing the full revelation of God. The, the writing of John is so, it's like a chess game. It's so simple. You know how the pieces move, but very quickly it gets so deep and complex. It's, it's a beautiful thing. So here you have this, this eternal God who has created all things. He's eternally begotten with God. So the Word comes forth, and He is God. But what else did He do? And the Word was with God. And the Word 
So he is God and he dwells with God. And here you see the, the Trinity on display again. This unity and diversity that you see with God. Is he God, the Word? Yes. Did he dwell with God? Yes. Yes, he did. And he is the one through whom all things are made. Day one. God the Father says, let there be light. And light comes forth. And how does it come through? Through the sun. But that's not enough. And so you have seas coming forth on day two. And the sky opening up as an expanse above it. And then land comes shooting up out of the seas. And you have mountains and valleys and plains and deserts. How is that being done? Through the word. Revealing who God is. But they just don't leave it this barren landscape. They don't have just light, but they, they bring forth the sun, the moon, the stars, and the planets through the Word, through Christ. And then these, these foaming seas are not enough. These, these skies that are empty, well, let's fill them. So you have birds coming forth, flying around. You have walleye and bass that I can't catch coming forth safe in the waters through Christ. Through Christ. And then on day five, you have, you have this vegetation on the land, but there's, yeah, there's no, on day six, there's vegetation on the land, but there's no animals. And he creates the base of the field, and then let us create man in our own image, in our own likeness. Let us create him. And how do they do it? Through Christ. Through the Word. But he doesn't just leave it at that. He doesn't create us as some elemental beings lying around. No. He creates us, and through Christ we have life. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. So what do you do? What do you, what do, you do with a text with a text like this? You, you read it over and over and over. The psalmist says, how sweet are your words. To my taste. You, you read it over and over and over. So what do you do this week? Why do you just delight in the Son of God? That's quite enough, actually. Delight in the Son of God. And, and don't allow this simple prose to mask your heart. The eyes of your heart. And don't come to Christ as some, some standard, some rule keeper that you must fully obey and have it be that alone. But no. Read this text and have... Have your affections and your hearts behold His glory that is brought forth in this text. Meditate on it day and night, night and day. Here is this Christ, the one, is He God? Yes. Did He dwell with God? Yes. The one through whom all things were made and the one through whom all things, you, have life. And Him was life and the life was the light of men. But this life, this true life, is only for those who will receive Him. Is it not? So we, we must receive this Son who is the Word coming forth. The One who is revealing God. So let, let's go back to the text here. Verses 9 through 13. Let's read those. The true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
who are born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men, but of God. And here in these verses, you see the redemptive love of God and the sad, sad state of men. See here this redemptive love of God. Christ, He made the world, but it's not as though the deist would say that He just made it up. We wound it up and let it go and let us be it to our own selves. But no, He pursued His bride. Husbands, learn this. He pursued His bride. He came into the world. And nothing was going to hold God back from this redemptive love, from this redemptive plan to capture His people and pull them out of their world of sin. So how did He do this? How did he act in this redemptive plan of love? Well, he, he came. He came. He came down. He came down into the, the darkness and the cravings of sin that entangled us down into the muck and the mire of our lives. And he pursued his bride. He pursued us. His church. Ephesians 5, Paul writes, Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her, that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the Word, so that He might present her, present to Himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. He gave Himself up for her, and He cleansed her, us, the church of our sin. And why did He do that? Why did he do that? So that the church, you, sitting here, if you are in Christ, so you may be spotless and pure, fitting again to come back into the presence of God. And this is why he came down. This is why he came to rescue the church. And what did we do? Look at our sad state of affairs as men. What did we do? We must have been enthralled, right? God Himself comes down to rescue us. We must have been enthralled with Him. We must have thrown open the gates and welcomed Him in. We must have thrown feast in His name, right? No, it was quite the opposite. Look in verse 11. He came down to His own. He came to His own. To His own people. And the people did not receive Him. He was in the world, the very world that was made through Him. Don't let this pass you by. This is you. He was in this world that He was made through Him. And what did we do? Rejected Him. We rejected Him. Few, you look at His ministry, few people are following Him. For anything beyond the the signs and the wonders and the miracles that he has. Judas betrays him. Peter denies him. And you get to to the trial going on there. And you hear the crowds in the middle of the dark night crying out, Crucify him, crucify him. The very ones. In him was life and the life was the light of men. Very ones drawing their breath by the grace of this one, they are shouting out against, "Crucify him! Crucify him!" 
And you hear them calling out, but it isn't just the crowds, my friends. No, no, no. It is me. It is you. We hear ourselves crying out, crucify Him, crucify Him. You do it every time you continue in your sin. You're crying out, crucify Him, crucify Him. And in your sin, you think you're being liberated as you carry on this life of sin. You think you're being liberated, but no, you're, you're propping yourself up against the one through whom all things remain. The one to whom all worship is due. But, thankfully, as you look at verse 12, the Spirit of God works in our hearts and in our minds. And even though we rather enjoy the muck and the mire of our own sin, we have those who have received Him, that is, those who have believed in His name. And what have they become? They've become children of God. You notice how God just doesn't help you get out of your addiction and leave you there. No, He doesn't pull you out of this broken life and give you a a life of respectability in terms of society. No, He doesn't do just that. He doesn't do that. That would keep you at arm's length. No, he, He saves you and He pulls you into His own family, does He not? Which is why reason number like 4,302, why we stress church membership at a local body. We don't walk along and go, oh, you see, you're a Christian, wonderful. Well, good luck in your journey. Hope to see you in the celestial city. Keep it up. No, we say, come, come close. What did God do to us? He saved us and brought us into his family. So what do we do with others? God saves them all. Well, let's bring them into our family. We follow the same trajectory that is set before us by none other than God himself. And so how does this happen? You ask yourself. Does it happen because I'm Jew or Gentile? Because of blood? Well, no, not not because of blood. How shall I receive? Is it my own doing? Well, no, it's, it's not the will of the flesh, nor the will of men, quite frankly. Well, then how can it be done? If it's not my family and if it's not my own will, and now you're getting to the crux of the matter, because now you're coming to the end of yourself. It is all done through the gracious will of God, the work of Christ, and the application of the Holy Spirit. How how wonderful it is, how sweet it is just to rest in the will of God. See it there? But of God. That is how you are born. Not of your own will, not of your own desires, but of the will of God. And what a great place to rest, rather than in your own desires, in your own will, but rather in the will of God. So then what's left? If it is the will of God, what is there for us to do? We just see it right there in verse 12. It is incumbent upon us, we must receive Him. Do not be found among the masses that, that who did not know Him or did not receive Him. But rather at this very hour, at this very moment, receive Christ. Don't, don't tarry another moment. Don't waste another day. Don't wait until you can... Clean up your own lives and then come to God as though you can make yourself a pleasing sacrifice to Him. No, but come in your weakness, in your brokenness. Come to Christ. In the fog of your depression, when you don't know how you take another step, don't take another step. Receive Christ. Receive Christ. Receive Him who is God, who is with God, who came into the world and is the light of the world. Receive Him 
And what does it say? You have the right to become children of God. <clears throat> so this is our main idea. Receive the eternal Son who came in the flesh. Now we're going to... We know that we are to receive Him. And as we look in these next verses, 14 through 18, we're going to see this greatest scandal of them all. Let's go back to the text here, verses 14 through 18. And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son of God the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, For He who comes after Me reigns before Me, because He was before Me. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Christ Jesus. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. And here is the greatest scandal to both Greeks and to Jews, for to me and to you sitting here. This eternal God came, the one through whom all things were made. Remember? He comes into this world where the life is, is, life is through Him and He is the light of men. But how did He do it? Did he come as some spirit abounding, dancing around, floating around? No, no, he didn't just come into his creation. What did he do? He took upon his creation. He came in the flesh, and the Word became flesh. I hope you're able to see the grandeur of this incarnation, that Christ was God, is God. Christ is God, and he came in the flesh. He dwelled with God. And then He came and lived among us. Great is the mystery, Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy, that God was revealed in the flesh. Great is the mystery, that God was revealed in the flesh. That in Him, as he would write to the church in Colossians, that in Him the fullness of God, the fullness of deity would dwell in bodily form. What a beautiful thing. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Lust. What a, what a beautiful thing. I hope you can see this. The beauty of this incarnation. Please with us in flesh to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. What a beautiful thing. God has come in the flesh. And yeah, we take it for granted, right? We've been hearing about it since Brenda's been teaching us, since we've been three years old. God came in the flesh. Okay, okay. Don't let the, the fact that you've known about this forever rob you of the beauty of it. No one else has this, my friends. No other religion has this. And they're without hope. We have Christ. As Augustine would write, when in doubt, quote, quote Augustine, as Augustine would write, that the Word became flesh, not by changing His deity, but by assuming our frailty. Several centuries later, Leo, out of Rome, would write, humility was embraced by majesty. 
Weakness by strength, mortality by eternity. And the complete and perfect nature, the very God and very man, complete in what belonged to Him and complete in what belonged to us. And there you have Him. One. One person. Two natures. One person. Fully God. Fully man. Was He with God? Yes. Did He come in the flesh? Yes. Behold your God. Behold your God, who was who was with God and He came in the flesh. He was God and now He, he dwells among us. He is eternal, yet He came into time. He created and sustains the world. And He came into His own creation. He is the living water and He cries out, I thirst. You'll never be able to fully understand it. And that's not your job. To understand the depths of God. He will reveal it to him. But your job is to receive him as he displays his glory and calls his people in all of his creation to worship and worship him alone. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we, we pray that You would continue to reveal to us the depths and the beauty of Your character and Your nature that Your Son who has dwelled with You for throughout all of eternity be sent by You. He would adorn Himself in flesh, become fully man, and die the death that we deserve to die so that we can come in Your presence and worship You throughout the rest of eternity. God, I pray that they would convict us if that seems like a trite truth, if that is not something that draws us into communion with You, that brings us into speechless awe before You. God, I pray that You would render our hearts broken before You. Let us behold Your beauty. Let us drink of Your grace. Amen.